Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, keep that in mind, the Lord said, he spoke to Joshua of none. Moses, a Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, uh, the Euphrates, and all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate in it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Sometimes when we actually hear the word of the Lord or actually read to us, we kind of want to hurry up and get through it. And almost kind of forget it. It leaves us. You know, we've heard Jesus give the parable about the power uh, of the seeds being sold. Uh, but let's just, just look at this just briefly. I just want to point out several things before we get into some things here. It said, the Lord said in verses uh, 1, when we look from 1 to 3, I will give you the place I promise. That's what he said. I will give to you the place I promise. He also said, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. The Lord said, I will be with you and I will never leave you. And then verse 6, be strong and courageous. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous because you will lead this people. And verse 9, have I not commanded you to be strong? And courageous. Scripture tells us that in the last days, men's heart will fail them because of fear. And you can actually kind of see why now, because we look at all the things that are happening in terms of natural disasters, between the weather changing, in terms of the snows, and between the heat. When we see the tsunamis, and we see an earthquakes that had never seen before in places we had never seen before, we're seeing volcanoes happening. And so, do is this something uh, surprising to us? Of course not, because as we look at the scriptures, even in the Old Testament, and even what Jesus tells us, He says these things will happen on the earth, and we all, in our knowledge and and and, and our pride, we say, well, you know, what well, this is just global warming. Yes, it may be global warming. There are explanations for all these things, but. God spoke to us and told us 
These things will happen. And when they happen, be aware that these things are are just precursors to my coming. He's still coming, folks, and we kind of forgot that, haven't we? These things. But all these things that come upon the earth, we look at TV, we'll watch movies, and what happens? Uh, The horror movies are some of the most famous movies, uh, most sought-after movies. We actually bear fear and fear and fear time after time after time. We talk fear to each other from day to day. And here the scriptures tell us that our hearts will be full of fear. You know something that actually is happening all over the country, but we see it not only just in uh, higher education, but we see it in Christian higher education. There is actually a, a tremendous, a tremendous need for counseling. People uh, demand, uh, students are uh, uh, demanding counseling. So we're actually trying to find more counseling services, hire more counselors and so forth. Well, I thought that was unique before I actually left and went to Pakistan. I thought that was unique. But here in Pakistan, where counseling, psychological counseling, is a stigma, families are ashamed. They don't want anybody to know that. And so the students, when they came on campus, would do it, but they would never tell their uh, their parents. But what we actually had to do, because of of all the struggles and things that they dealt with, in terms of depression and fear and anger and all those things that were mixed up, we actually had to double our staff and actually even build another uh, floor to our counseling center because the demand was so great. We're here in these days. We are plagued with fear, and our lives are actually fraught with so much fear. Fear grabs us every day as we watch the news. Most of us are news junkies. I get home, I do the same thing. I get home, I turn on the news. I want to see what the national news is all about. And what does it tell us in terms of, oh, we are out of control. (laughs) And we as believers buy into it. And we kind of believe it in so many ways uh, in that sense. Jesus tells us some things that reflect the same things that God was telling Joshua. Be strong and courageous. And he says that God says it three times to really emphasize this, not to be discouraged. He said, have I not commanded you? Jesus tells us, go into the world and preach the gospel. And lo, I'm going to be with you always. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't be anxious for anything. Yes, we're hearing the same words, the same concepts. I'm going to be with you. I, 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 I'm going to the Father, but I'm going to send what? The Holy Spirit so that he can be with you. Not only he'll be with you, but he can be in you. God with us. And so the message really hasn't changed since the beginning when God began to actually speak to his people. Now, for many of us, we hear this command and we say, well, is that fair? Because we, uh, you know, how can God command me to be courageous? I, I don't know how to actually do this particular thing. Israel had gone through many things. They had come out of the Egypt. And we know the story. You, you have walked through this so many times. And they had come out of Egypt and they saw the hand of God. They heard the voice of God. 
And they saw day after day from year after year, God provided the manna. He provided the water. And God provided all things for them. And God made them promises. Their shoes did not wear out. They didn't get sick. And God prospered their way. And he even visually shown himself in the midst of all of the elements so that they could actually see the presence of God. And so here God brought them out so that he could actually abide and actually live with them. But something happened to this group of people. Even though God was abiding with them, some kind of way they forgot to see him. Because when they got thirsty, they forgot that God had delivered them and they had just actually walked through waves of of water. When they got hungry, they forgot that God had been feeding them before with manna. but, But they wanted something more. And so some kind of way, the people of God, even though God dwells and abides with them, some kind of way we lose our vision and sense of God's presence. And when we do that, we begin to look at the objects and we begin to reason with our own understanding in terms of how to figure things out. And when we can't figure things out, and we can't figure out how we can actually do this and be in control, And what happens? Discouragement and fear sets in. This is not new to us. We've seen this stuff happen all the time. They forgot God's command. They were distracted by the presence of others when they actually went into uh, the promised land. They got there and they saw everything else. They got distracted. This is not new. Remember what Peter he gets out of the boat. You know, say, Jesus is walking across the water. He actually has some courage. He, after having some courage to ask Jesus, Lord, if you bid me, I'll come. All 12 saw the same thing, but he actually had a little courage. That's what we think. Who's going to get out of a boat and step in the water? But he saw Jesus do that. And he actually did that, and he stepped out of the boat, and he started walking toward Jesus because he recognized the presence of God on the water. And as long as he saw the presence of God on the water, he could actually take steps toward and be closer to him and do things that he could never imagine to do. But he got distracted. And when he got distracted, he actually started reasoning. And when he started reasoning, he started thinking in terms of his own ability. And when he thought of his own ability, he lost confidence in what he could do. And when he lost confidence in what he could do, he lost confidence in what God could do. That's when we fall into fear. That's when we live in fear. We look so much at what our abilities and what we can do and how we can actually reason that we lose confidence in God, our Savior. Here we have Joshua being given this command. And by this time, he's, he's in his late 70s, early 80s. All his contemporaries have passed on, and he has to have to do something new. He's charged to conquer the land that they failed to conquer 40 years because they saw the high walls and they, and, and they saw the people who were tall. They saw all the obstacles and so forth. He had a different spirit, but all the people with him saw something different. 
And it changed the whole vision of the people. So they didn't have the promise. Now God is telling him, now go and take that which I promised 40 years ago. And God said to him, the Lord God will be with you wherever you go. The key thing here is not trying to be strong and courageous, which we all try to do. The key thing here is recognizing the presence of God. When we lose sense of the presence of God, that's when we lose our carriage. God can command us when he commands us to be strong and courageous. God is commanding us to actually begin to commune and fellowship with him. To actually build in our hearts and our life a whole sense of his presence. And when we actually begin to love God in that way, the same command, the very first command, all the laws and prophets are built on those commands to love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, to love your neighbor as yourself, as all of the others. But to love the Lord thy God, that's the first command, and everything else is built on that. And so when he says, be strong and courageous, haven't I not commanded you to do so? He's basically saying, have I not commanded you to love me with everything in your being? And if you will love me with everything that is in your being, you will actually come closer and be drawn nigh to me. And if you would draw nigh to me, what the scripture tells us, it says he will draw nigh to us. And the more we draw nigh to God and he draws nigh to us, the more we begin to realize his presence. And when we realize that presence, we don't have to try to make ourselves strong. We don't have to make ourselves you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, not discouraged or, or try to figure. We're going to have to talk ourselves into these things. All we have to do is realize that we are abiding in our Savior. That we live in him and he in us. Jesus said, he said, if you would abide in me and my words abide in you. If you are by me, how do you show that you love me? If you do my will, to do my words. And if you abide in me and my words abide in you. He said, you can ask whatever you will, what you desire. Why? Because your heart is my heart. Because you are, your heart is my heart, my words. And so what he's actually beginning to tell us, that if we would do that, what does he tell us in John? He says, listen, listen to what he says, if you would do this. He says, I and the Father will reveal ourselves to you. Did you hear that? I and the Father will reveal ourselves to you. Our problem is not our emotions. It's not our anxieties. I know we live with those type of things all the time. That's not our real problem. Our problem is that we have forgotten the presence of God. We have come together to worship. I say this and I see this all the time. We have sang songs and we have even read God's word. 
And many of us will actually leave here today as we did last Sunday and the Sunday before that, never experiencing the presence of God. And you don't experience the presence of God just where you can kind of whip it up. It doesn't happen here you see, because of the songs that we sing. It doesn't just happen because of the word that is actually spoken. The extent that you actually begin to experience the presence of God is actually what you actually do on your own, in your home. Your most sacred place shouldn't have to be here. This should be the gathering place where we all have been in that quiet place, in that place with God and that communion and fellowship with God. It should be a place when we all come together. This place explodes with the presence of God because we all have recognized him all week long rather than at our own convenience. Where does courage come from? I looked at it in... My time's almost up. I looked at uh, Joshua, and I was following Joshua into Judges. And in Judges, I saw a thing that actually happened, and this is where this Aaron Church thing came. I had never seen this before, except a couple of weeks ago. And the first part of Judges, it's children of Israel, they're going in, and they're, they're fighting now. And it says one part in the hill country, they actually went and actually conquered, you know, say the Canaanites and the, you know, all, all those nations and so forth. But it said in the, uh, plains, they did not go into the plains because of iron chariots. Chapter one. Chapter one of Judges. Because of iron chariots. Why? They, they saw this iron chariots. They, they could not do that, even though they could fight other ways. They were fighting like they remember fighting. But each time they moved along, they actually had a greater obstacle. But if you go in chapter 4 of Judges, you'll see something. You see this woman who's a prophet, who's a judge now, named Deborah. And she calls this guy Barak. And she gives him the word of the Lord. The Israelites weren't able to go into that plain country because of those iron chariots. But he gives, she gives him the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord is that go in and take this land, take the land of the Philistines, take about 10,000 people and go and take this land. And he said, oh, wait, 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 wait. I'm not going there. Why wasn't he willing to go there? Because he knew that Cicero, and Jobin, who's the king, uh, had 900 iron chariots. 900 iron chariots. And if you see the history of these, these guys were professionals. They were the elite. They were clad in armor, and their chariots was clad in armor. And the things that they could actually do, they would actually go out, so you couldn't even get anywhere near their cities because they could just plow through people. And who could actually... Who could fight folks and iron chariots? It's almost like tanks coming through. Israel wasn't used to fighting iron chariots. But God was trying to take them to another step that nothing is impossible for the people of God. But if we're distracted by the things rather than seeing the presence of God, iron chariots become a barrier for us. Many of us have these things today that are iron chariots. We just can't see past this barrier. We can't see past this obstacle. We can't see past this challenge. 
Because we believe that we don't have the ability to do so. And of course, you know the story in Judges. And so Deborah, she actually goes along with him. And what do they do? They defeated the eye charge. Here, the whole world, the, the nation, that whole region were afraid of these folks because they were invincible. And what God has been doing over and over with his people is giving them one challenge. Take this battle. And when you defeat that, take that battle. Another, a greater challenge. And then a greater challenge. And a greater challenge. Because in each challenge, as you grow and you overcome those challenges, what happens? You're seeing the hand and the glory of God. You're seeing the manifestation of who he really is. The God who is with you. The God who loves you. The God who wants what is best for you. Who wants you to be a witness for him. Oh, my time is up. Has not the Lord already gone before you? Before us? Does he not already give us his great and precious promises? Hasn't he already called us into his presence? People ask us, why did you, and I may have mentioned this the first time, why in the world, how in the world could you actually go to Pakistan? We prayed and fasted two years before going to Pakistan. Before we actually started our journey, my wife and I prayed and fasted two years before we actually dropped everything and moved to, uh, and started going back to school. That's a whole nother story. But we prayed and we fasted two years seeking God. And one of the things that I actually discovered, because while we were there, even though there were bombings and all kind of things that were actually happening, and, and even though we were targeted, it, despite everything that happened, we had the peace of God. Did we generate this peace? Did we go and start confessing, I got the peace of God, I got the peace of God, I got the peace of God, trying to convince ourselves? No, no. All we had to do is abide in him and he in us. And every once in a while, and I'll share this, there was just one, on one occasion, the whole time that we were in the country, that fear attacked me. Not while I was in the country. I actually had left just to go to Korea. We were in South Korea for an event with other Christian, international Christian universities. And while I was there, was some things actually had begun to happen that was really dangerous on campus. I made some critical decisions that the previous two presidents were afraid to make, but we needed to make those decisions for the glory of God and for the future of the institution. And I made a decision which affected some people who were very radical and so forth, who went to social media, who really wanted to harm us. And because of that, a whole nother group of people actually began to actually stir up the whole institution. They were actually going to, you know, just turn out the whole institution uh, in that sense, in terms of what they were planning to, uh, uh, to do. I even found out even uh, uh, more later on uh, why I was gone, but I knew what those plans were. And here I was in, in Korea. I left out of the country. I'm, I'm in the country. No fear at all. No anxiety at all. Everything's kind of happening all around us. But I, I leave the country. And maybe I just got a little relaxed because I'm in South Korea. And what happens? 
All of a sudden, the spirit of fear, God does not give us the spirit of fear, but the spirit of fear came after me. Doesn't mean the spirit of fear won't attack us, won't come after us, but the spirit of fear actually just came upon me. And I became anxious and wondering and looked at all the things and the chaos and all things. You know, Pakistan's a violent place. You say, if you read the last Christianity today, you know, just the most uh, recent one, it said Pakistan was number one in the most violent, uh, 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 most violent persecution against Christians. Number one. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's, it's this violent place. And, and, and yet we were at peace. But here we go. And all of a sudden, the spirit of fear came on me. And I couldn't get it off and, and, and so forth. And so what did I do? I began to fast. And each time I fast so I could be closer to hear God, the fear allayed. And then I would eat again because I was over there for, several day, uh, for, uh, for almost a week or so. And, and the spirit of fear came upon me again. And so I said, oh, I need to fast and pray and walk. And I remember one night, this is the faithfulness of God. I went walking through all, out this campus, you know, say it was uh, late at night, and I went to a little park. And there was just a couple of uh, students that was uh, sitting there. There was a young man, a guitar. I sit down, he said, he said, sir, where are you from? I said, well, I'm, I'm from Pakistan right now, but I'm originally from the U.S. He said, he said, would you mind if I sing a song for you? I'm going to make up a song for you. He, and he actually began to play. And it was nothing but the word of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord. He had no idea of what we were going through. All of you have experienced this. God has gone before you. And he began to actually speak in me, and that fear began to leave. And I can't tell you, when I got back, I actually called these groups of people together. And I remember we were in the conference room. And I had a boldness that was not mine. When I went in, in fact, those folks, in fact, one person in that department had come to me and said, Dr. Jones, this is what's going to happen. And this is what, what they're planning. They met all last night and just the strategy and, and so forth. And I called them all together. And I remember walking in there and I spoke with a boldness and a confidence that I knew was not me. This was the spirit of the living God. I had fasted before I went in. I had prayed before I went in. I depended on the confidence that God had given me. That's how the promises of God become real to us. And when I did that, they were shaken. Rather than with all the boldness and bragging and the anger that they were trying to bring, all of a sudden these men, and as I looked into their faces, were weakened by the Spirit of God. Were weakened by the Spirit of God. Can I say that was me because of... No, no. This was the Spirit of God. God has not given us the spirit of fear. But perfect love, what? Cast out all fears. Your courage doesn't come with you working it up. Your courage will grow in your communion and fellowship with God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your great and precious promises. But we pray, O oh Father, that your people here will be open, O oh God, to communion and fellowship with you. That they will make the commitment to allow you to abide and live in them and them in you. 
That they would draw closer to you or as you would draw close to them. That their prayer times, oh God, would be real and refreshing. That you would wake them up early in the morning as they lay in the bed and they would have a sense of your presence as they get up, oh God, and they actually drive to work or, or to school or wherever they have to go, that there would be a sense of your presence. Father, that even as tragedy happens and difficulty come upon them, even in their own household, that they would remember your presence. And out of remembering your presence, that their love for you would grow and abound in them. That this love, Lord God, would cast out all fear. That their confidence would actually be in you. That these times that they come together here in this fellowship, oh God, would be times of strength and courage, oh God, that your glory might abound. That even those who do not know you when they come into this place will say, surely the spirit of the Lord is in this place. So, Father, we pray for this people, this congregation, this pastor and these ministers, oh God, that they will serve you, oh God. They will serve you with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength out of their love for you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.